Hi, <laughs> welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. My guest today is Paula Nelson, a living history demonstrator from the Eastern Cherokee Nation. Paula, thanks for being here with us today. I'm so glad to be here. You are a member of today's modern Cherokee Nation. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Cherokee presence is in, in modern America? The Cherokee presence in modern America is very strong presence um, right now. There's different ways to answer this if you're talking culturally, economically. Um, economically, we're very strong with the introduction of uh, tribal gaming. Um, we have a lot of funding that comes from tribal gaming, which feeds a lot of our uh, programs, our tribal programs. So that money does go into programs that helps a lot of people. As far as culturally, we are experiencing and have been experiencing for, for the past six, seven years, this wonderful cultural renaissance uh, is happening in Cherokee. Uh, for the longest time, a lot of our history and our culture uh, had been forgotten or I don't want to say lost, I'd, been, I'd say forgotten. And uh, all we could really focus on or remember was the historic period, which was kind of along the timeline of events that we have been discussing here at Williamsburg. But now we are exploring back into the 1700s and beyond into the Woodlands period and the Mississippian period and even into archaic times and learning more about Cherokee people. So it's a beautiful and powerful thing, uh, the spirit of the Cherokee people is coming back to life. Their hearts are coming back to being Cherokee and with the language being um, being worked on so hard, so diligently by, by these dedicated group of people and with the, with the tribal council supporting it. Um, that's just gonna make us even stronger when our language gains strength. So uh, modern Cherokee is a powerful Cherokee. Is Cherokee still spoken? The Cherokee language is still spoken. You will hear people say that Cherokee language is dying out, and I disagree with that. I disagree with that immensely. Our language is not dying out. However, there is a issue in that most of our fluent and master speakers are elderly, and we're losing on average three of those master and fluent speakers a month because of their age and because of illness. So. Uh, and as far as uh, speakers in their 30s, you know, and 40s, we, we have speakers um, that are in their 40s and 50s. We don't have very many in, in, that are in their 30s. And when you get down into, into 20s and you're in your teens, it becomes less and less. With the immersion program, which we have discovered with, through research, we worked with the Hawaiians and uh, the Maoris, um, immersion is the best way to learn the language. You're immersed in it totally. And when the kids go to immersion school, they speak only Cherokee. No English is allowed in their classrooms at all. So we have these little beautiful little children that are going to be uh, almost like the saving grace of the language. And, and uh, their parents are, are, have to learn and take classes on Cherokee, too, because it doesn't work if you're immersed in a classroom and then you go home and you're not able, able to converse with your parents. So we have second language learners, which are those parents, and people like me and other people my age who want to learn the language. And then we have these beautiful immersion children, and uh, which they d just opened, uh, dedicated a new academy, the Katua Language Academy. So they can advance now into older grades 
speaking Cherokee language. So that's just phenomenally beautiful to me. It, it, that, it, it's just I can't express how much joy that makes me feel. So you grew up speaking English. I grew up speaking English. As you are learning Cherokee, what strikes you as the differences between speaking English and speaking the Cherokee dialect? I would say the specificness of the Cherokee language. And um, the Cherokee language is so specific that you really can't mistake any, anything anyone says. You know, in the English language, there's so many different ways to, to, to say something, and it can be misinterpreted. But in Cherokee language, they are so specific that you cannot really misunderstand what they're saying. Uh, it, you know, it's so obviously clear. Like if you're asking for an object, you know, it's a, a, like a paper, gawaili. You know, it, it describes the paper as a flexible piece of object, or it could be described as a firm object. You know, there's, I mean, it's, it's pretty intense, and it's a very difficult language to learn. And um, then comes the first, second, third person. Uh, you add a new uh, syllable, syllable line, or the word changes when I'm talking about if it's my mother, my grandfather, my brother, my sister. It totally changes when it's your grandmother, your brother, your sister. And uh, learning, learning those, uh, it, it's really complicated. <laughs> and, and, and then when, there's ne when something's negative, you know, they're, they're, new things are added. The Cherokee language is very difficult to learn. So becoming a master or even a, a speaker is, is attainable. Becoming a conversational level speaker is, is something that is to be celebrated, just to be able to carry on a conversation, much less be a master speaker. Historically, I think when Europeans first came into contact with um, native tribes and native people, one of the things that was, was very strikingly different from European culture was the role that women played in society. Um, it was a matrilineal society. Women held power, women held land, women's clan names would be passed on to children of, of mm -hmm. later generations. Do you think that women in Cherokee society today hold the same stature as they did historically? I think if you would ask a lot of them, and this might have something to do with the introduction of Christianity, and Christianity being a religion that so focuses on the male, so we have a lot of um, Cherokee people who are Christians, and they will probably swear up and down that that doesn't exist anymore. But yet I go into this Christian woman's home, and I see who's running the house, who's telling what to do, who's doing this. And, and I, so I say it's still present because I see it no matter how much they deny it. Cherokee women are very strong, very outspoken. Uh, very much the leaders in the fight uh, for culture and the fight for language. You talked about a renaissance in Cherokee culture and bringing back to life some old customs, old practices. What, what examples um, would, you, would you cite that are be, of things that are being renewed? There, yeah, their game is still played, and we're actually talking about bringing um, another, some new games back to life again. We're talking about bringing the old game of Chunky back um, which uh, we st still know how to play, still know how to make the implements, but it hasn't been played in Cherokee in I don't know how many years. Can you describe it? Uh, chunky is a chunky. It's stone about the size of a saucer, but thicker and heavier. And one side would be concave. It was very rare you saw both sides being concave, but every now and then. 
and basically it was a, a betting game and children could play it and you would roll the stone and then you would hurl your spear and see how close that your spear would get to where your stone would stop. And it was a great gambling game uh, a long time ago um, and the kids liked to play it. So we're talking about bringing that game back. Uh, another example is what I'm wearing. These clothes, um, 10 years ago, you wouldn't see these clothes on the streets and a Cherokee person would not have accepted these clothes as being Cherokee because this was a time period that we didn't um, have any information on. Only The only clothing that we wore and said was Cherokee were, 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 were ribbon shirts, basic skirts with ribbons sewn on them, or they were what was called um, the tear dress, which would be post, or they said it was created on the Trail of Tears out of seven yards of fabric, and the reason it's called a tear dress, they had no scissors, and so they had to tear it to sew it together. And so about 10 years ago, those were the only forms of Cherokee dress that were remembered or known. And, and now we're, we're learning further back, you know, um, what we wore, how we wore it. And so the a primo example is what I have on. Tell me more about what you have on right now. Well, what I have on here is a women's wrap skirt um, made out of trade wool and decorated with uh, beads that I probably would have traded for. They're called pony beads because they're large in size. If they're smaller, they're called seed beads because they look like seeds. It's edged in cotton. It could be edged in satin if I were um, wealthier. I'm wearing trade silver. If we had something, most likely it was decorated because we, we wanted everything to be as beautiful as our surroundings were. So uh, this is a wrap skirt, just a typical, you know, 1700 style wrap skirt. And the back then, uh, for Indian women, there were no men's shirts or women's shirts. There were only trade shirts. So they were mostly uh, men's shirts This that I'm wearing. There wasn't an option of men or women. Um, so this is just a men's shirt. And this is a more fancier one. I'm dressed like a more wealthy Cherokee woman now uh, because of all my, you can see my silver. Um, and I have the, the fancy sleeves. Normally it would be a white muslin or a linen shirt. Very simple. And my skirt is elaborate. It's not for work. This is not something I would be working around the house in. This would be something I would go to a meeting in to show my status. And, and one thing I love about Native American people is just not Cherokee, um, is that your wealth. Yes, I'm, I'm wealthy, but I'm, I don't judge myself by being wealthy by how much silver or beads I have on. It's how easily I give them away. When, when someone needs something, how easily I can give it away to fulfill someone else's need. And that's something I think is very special about, about Cherokee people. Paula, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.